If you've got your Bibles, um, would you turn with me to uh, Hebrews chapter 11? Um, Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm going to be reading from verses uh, 23 to 27. 23 to 27 um, of Hebrews chapter 11. Should come up on the screen, um, but you can follow along with me. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ, that is the, the, the rebuke that comes from being with Christ, greater wealth than all the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Actually, we'll read that next verse. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Lord, I pray right now as we come to this uh, scripture that you would awaken in us a faith that, that is like that. Faith that is uh, able to uh, fearlessly uh, hold on to and pursue the promises that you have for us. Lord, I pray that you would uh, stir us as you've been stirring us through this series to see you and to believe you and to take you at your word. God, I pray right now as we hear what you have to say through this scripture, that you would be working that into our hearts and that we would find, even over the coming weeks, ourselves more empowered, more able to live according to them. God, I ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. So we come again to this series, this preaching series that we've been in now for a few weeks, uh, as we look uh, at the lives that kind of are presented here in Hebrews 11, these lives of men and women of faith that are held up as examples. Now, Brian shared with us when he introduced the series that Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews, is a, is a letter written to um, believers, to churches that are uh, of to Jewish believers who are beginning to uh, suffer for their faith. And so the letter comes with a sort of a, a reminder, an impassioned reminder of the supreme value of what these guys already have. You know, what Jesus has done for them, the greatness of Jesus and the fullness of his work that he has done in dying for them. And then when we come to Hebrews 11, so 11 chapters in, uh, he is lifting up uh, these examples of of men and women of faith who have believed God, who have taken him at his word, and the, the amazing things that they have done. These guys have, have done amazing things, and we've seen some of those already. They were able to do amazing things, and they were able to endure terrible sufferings. Now the phrase, just like us, isn't something that we've come up with. It's pulled right from scripture. It's, it's from at the end of James. I've pointed this out before. James, as he's uh, finishing his letter, he's encouraging the believers in faith, particularly faith for prayer. And he, he points to Elijah, a man who, whose story you can read in, in 1 Kings, a prophet. He prayed and stopped the rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed again and it rained. The drought came to an end. And James points to him when he's teaching to faith and prayer and says, Elijah was a man just like us. 
He's, he's nothing special. He's not like one of these Marvel superheroes who's got power over the rain. No, he, he is a man, just like us. He, he's got his failings, he's got his weaknesses, and, he is a, and yet God is able and pleased to use him and his prayer to do amazing things. And so the same sort of thing is happening in Hebrews 11. As we read Hebrews 11, we're not to approach it thinking this is like a list of Avengers, un- unapproachable in, their, like, uh, in what they're able to do. Now, this, these are people, men and women, who are weak and frail like us and are empowered by God to do amazing things. Now, it's possible, to, 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 as I say, to be dwarfed by these people in this, kind of this, this hall of fame and think, I could never do what these guys did, which is exactly the opposite of what um, the, guy, the, the writer to the Hebrews is, is trying to say. But it's also possible to kind of fall off the other side as well and to look at... Um, this and to hear that phrase just like us and take it to mean that that hey this this kind of centers on me now this is about me and what I can do and I just need to unlock my full potential and I can do all these wonderful and amazing things and there is a kind of preaching that 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 does that there's a kind of preaching that that tries to make this about us that says look at your potential if we just released your potential we've got you doing all the things that you could do there's a kind of preaching that, that is very popular and sells a lot of books that does exactly that. But the fact is, that again, is, is the opposite of what is trying to be conveyed here. No, the, the, the thing isn't that, that, that you have the potential to be great. It's that what, what the writer is trying to convey to us and show to us is that these guys, despite their weaknesses and their frailty, believed God and God was pleased to do amazing things through them. God was pleased to do amazing things through normal people. That should be an encouragement to us. And we gather like this, we think, hey, I feel very, very normal. And I don't stand here and say amazing things about what God has promised us as a church in faith because I think, actually, I I think I'm capable of doing this. If I just got all my best ideas out, no, I, I know for sure my best ideas will fall flat every time. God is faithful. And so we can be full of faith that he is going to do amazing things through us. And I hope that that is one of the big things that we take away as it comes up again and again, week after week, that we take away from this series. That God is able and very pleased to do amazing things. He says, I love to use the foolish things to shame the wise and the weak things to shame the strong. Hey, I'm foolish, I'm weak. That puts me right at the top of the list. Right? I'm going to be used to shame the wise and the strong because of my foolishness and my weakness. Paul hears this and says, I'm going to boast in my weakness. I'm going to boast in my weakness as though it was strength because through my weakness, Christ has made himself known to be strong. All of this is not in my, not in my notes. So I'm going to try and get back now to, to where I am. Um, so yes, yeah, so these people are commended not because of their great effort that they put in or the great things that they did. They're commended for believing God, taking him at his word. They are uh, not, so we're not to hear this stuff and to think, oh, this is something I need to try and do in my own strength. And that's sometimes more obvious than others. Um, you know, I, I know that I can't go and part seas, for instance. So if I went, if I read this list and thought, okay, this is what I need to go and do, I would be very quickly stopped by um, the North Sea, right? I, I can't do that, but I can believe God. That's, that's what the writer's trying to get us to emulate and to imitate. And that God loves to use people who step out in faith and live lives of faith.
So that's what I want us to be. As we hear these stories again and again, I want us to be stirred, as I have been, as I've heard the preaching in this series, again and again, in faith for what God is able and willing to do amongst us. As we've begun, we, we, Brian introduced the series to us, and then we looked at Abraham and Sarah, the faith that endures hardship, endures waiting, endures struggles and difficulties, and though things aren't easy, knows that God has called and that God, when God has promised, he will fulfill. That's what we saw in Abraham and Sarah. And then last week, as Sarah came to preach to us, she pointed us towards Rahab, the prostitute, who, part of, who had her home in the walls of Jericho. Right? You think, that is not, knowing anything about the Bible, you think that is not a good place to have a home. And yet God preserves her because of her faith and her action. Right? And so uh, Sarah unpacked what it meant for, for faith to act. Faith is not a passive thing. Faith is something that is done. That comes up in James, and Sarah touched on this. You know, faith that doesn't do anything isn't faith. It's not, you're not, you don't believe something until you put your weight on it, as it were. I don't believe that the chair holds my weight. You know, my, my belief that the chair holds my weight and is comfortable is proven as I sit on it. Right? If I say that and yet I don't really want to sit on it, I don't believe it. Right? If I think I've got the winning lottery ticket and I don't cash it in, I don't believe that I've got the winning lottery ticket. And that's, there's a, the faith acts. And now we come to the story of Moses and, uh, we, and, and the example that's being held up there and what are we going to see as we, we look at it. And so just kind of a bit of a recap of the story of Moses. Moses, a uh, story that we, many of us will know, born in Egypt uh, as the, the, the Jewish people, the Hebrews are in slavery. But he is born uh, to a Hebrew family. Uh, the command comes, kill uh, the, the sons of these families their parent, uh, Moses' parents, uh, hide uh, Moses. And he's discovered and taken into the royal family, into the Pharaoh's own household. And he's raised as a son of the daughter of Pharaoh in the royal household. Um, as he grows up, he sees the oppression of his people and he takes things into his own hands, killing an Egyptian and eventually uh, fleeing Egypt in fear. Uh, he then meets God a few years, a number of years later in the burning bush who calls him to take, go back to Egypt, big ask, go back to Egypt and demand of Pharaoh to let my people go. And he does. And God moves in power um, and, and accompanies him with great works and wonders and signs and judgments against Egypt until uh, God's people are free. And that's, that's the story. That's, and we kind of see that unpack. Uh, Initially, uh, the Pharaoh rejects the demands of God and turns it down again and again until the final judgment comes on Egypt and the firstborn of every household is killed and the Jews take cover and the judgment passes over them. They take cover under the blood of the Lamb. So much symbolism in that story for, for, for what we believe and what we, what we see fulfilled in Jesus. All of this is a signpost to Jesus and to Jesus as he takes, as they're celebrating the Passover, Jesus takes the blood, the, sorry, the, the bread and the wine, and he says, this story is about me, and it was always about me. They, they come out of Egypt, finally free, cross over the Red Sea, waters part before them, close behind them, the Egyptians are swallowed in judgment, they come to Mount Sinai, they receive the law, they wander the desert for 40 years, and eventually are brought to the promised land, the land that was promised to Abraham. 
And Moses sees it, doesn't get to enter it. Again, as I say, that it had 40 years of, of judgment on them because they had no faith as they came to the promised land. Now, that is where Moses' story ends. And he hands over to Joshua, who kind of takes on. But, but I don't know when you, when you look at that story, and there are many stories within that story, what lessons you think there are to learn about faith. There are probably lots. I don't know uh, what you would pick out if you were the writer to the Hebrews and you would say, okay, Moses, let me think what lessons I can teach these guys about faith from Moses. I don't know what you would draw out, but the one that, uh, that is drawn out for us in Hebrews is fearlessness. He says, faith is fearless. Right? And he gives us a couple of examples there, doesn't he, in the life of Moses. Firstly, he points to, not Moses, um, I always think it's funny that it says, by faith Moses was hidden by his parents. You think, whose faith? It's not Moses' faith. Moses was born and says, I have faith that you could hide me. No, it's, it's talking about his parents' faith. His parents had faith to hide him and, and, to, and not fear the king, the king's edict, which is to kill all the, these, these sons born. They have faith to defy the king of Egypt, the most powerful man in the world. They don't, they're not afraid of the consequences. But they seeing this son, whether God, when it says, you know, that they saw he was beautiful, whether they saw something of the purpose of God that was going to be outworked through him, we don't know. But we do know that they, in faith, hid him. And amazingly, God comes through and, and responds to that faith. And he, and he takes that boy, hidden, in a basket and brings him into the household of the king. And then we see uh, Moses as well, in faith, um, in faith, uh, just like his parents, he doesn't, he's not afraid of the king. So verse 27, he's not afraid of the king, um, not afraid of the anger of the king. He is willing to be counted as the people of God, that is, giving up his riches to be counted amongst the slaves, giving up his royal status to be counted among the slaves and leading the people uh, out of Egypt. Now the writer unpacks a little bit about what this uh, fearless faith looks like and what it does. You know, what, what shape does it take? What does it do? What does faith, fearless faith do? Um, and what is it fueled by? What's, it, what's the motivation behind it? How, do, how on earth do you get to be fearless in the way that Moses was fearless in, in living out his faith? And those are, the, those are the things that I want us to, to look at as we look at this passage. What, what, is, what is this fearless faith? What is this faith and what does it do to us? And how, do, how is it motivated? What, is it, what drives it? Well, first of all, we see that one of the things it does is it, it enables Moses to be free and uh, bold to allow himself to be counted amongst the people of God and to obey the people of God. Actually, interestingly, you know, they, uh, you see here, he, kind of, he makes a conscious decision to say, I belong to these people, although it's going to lead him to suffering. Actually, earlier on in, in Hebrews, in Hebrews 10, um, 32, that could come up on the screen as well, actually, um, it says this, he, writer again re- reminding the Hebrews of what they've lived and what they've been doing as they've been suffering. He says, recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you, you became a Christian, you had your eyes opened um, to the truth of Jesus, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings because of that faith. Sometimes publicly exposed to reproach and affliction. That is, mocked and beaten. That is, to you, common in Christian life. 
Anywhere that a Christian isn't um, physically harmed for being a Christian, they are mocked and derided. You, there's no way you go free, <laughs> right? If someone's living a life for Jesus, I mean truly living a life for Jesus, they're going to come in the face of opposition, whether it's in the face of as persecution or being mocked by your friends. One of, the, one of those two things, maybe both. These guys, they, he says, this is, this is, you became Christian, new baby Christian, entering the world of faith. They come across reproach and affliction, sometimes being partnered with those treated. For you had compassion on those in, prisons, in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which, is, which has a great reward. These guys, they, sometimes they were the ones being persecuted, but when they weren't the ones being persecuted, this, the writer says, even when it wasn't you, you put yourself in the firing line. Right? You, you are willing to be counted amongst them. And that's important, right? taking food to those in prison, visiting those in prison. Because in those days, if, if somebody didn't bring you food in prison, you would starve in prison. The, the state's not going to pay for you to eat. Your family or those who belong to you come and they feed you. But do you see what kind of a statement that's making? If you're being persecuted for what you believe and because of the community that you belong to, what, what is the cost of being the person who goes and takes that person food? Right, it's not just I'm popping into a pack lunch. It's, it's a little inconvenient. I've got a bit of I've got time, but you know it's, this is my cross. I've got a bear. It's, no, if you go, you might not leave, <laughs> right? And the writer's saying this is the kind of faith that you have—a faith that was fearlessly able to love and obey and be and to say I am counted amongst the people of God. Whatever comes my way, what persecution or mockery. If I get spat on on the way in and never let out, I will go and I'll I'll do what God has called me to do. But that is the kind of faith at work. That's what we see in in Moses as he's he's doing this. He's he's not afraid of the king. He's not afraid to be counted amongst the people of God. Now, it also kind of enables us to... to, uh, enables us to suffer willingly hardship and loss. Right? Faith enables us to suffer willingly hardship and loss. It's hard to read Hebrews 11 and not see that. And these guys get sworn in half. Right? Faith enables us to do these things, to face these things fearlessly. There are some practical things for us today. Right? We're living in a time of pandemic. COVID-19 is scary. Hey, when faith comes... I'm not saying we're reckless, but I'm saying that there's a, there is a, a, an understanding of I am secure. I'm secure. Finance, you worry about your kids, you worry about your home, you worry about your job, you worry about sickness. You're secure. You believe God. Hey, these things, they come or go. Hey, maybe I, maybe I will lose that thing. Maybe I will suffer the loss of that thing. But even so, even if... God is with me. God is with me. And, but specifically, so there's some day-to-day things, but specifically this is talking about those things that we, would, we will suffer, and we certainly will, for being a believer. Telling others about Jesus. The rejection that we face there. As you kind of 
you kind of you tell you, you say what what did you do this weekend and you say I was at church and then suddenly everyone's face drops and they try and change the conversation as quickly as possible you, know, you are like you are, you feel that and it might not be beatings yet <laughs> here but we feel the rejection and so there needs to be faith to enable us to face that we even just not not just in in preaching the gospel but in living lives that are fundamentally different we keep coming back to uh, 1 Peter where, where the, kind of the picture given of, of the believers is of exiles, foreigners. Hey, you, you live not like the people around you, just like foreigners. You, know, you, you live uh, with your own cultural values and belonging to a different kingdom. And when you do that, you are excluding yourself from some of the things that these guys do and you are putting yourself in the firing line for their, uh, their rebuke, their persecution, their mockery. So you go anywhere in the world people who are, are getting, getting it hardest are the people who are different for whatever reason. You know, the, the, the foreigners. I mean, even that word has kind of got an edge to it, hasn't it? And as we, yeah, so, so faith enables us to, to live differently and to do different things. And rather than pursue the wealth and the pleasures of this world, it enables us to, to lay those things down, to be counted amongst the people of God and to pursue him. See, sometimes obeying God will lead you into difficult times. See, sometimes, almost always, if you're going to obey God, if I'm going to follow him, it's going to lead you into some tough, tough decisions. And yet Moses, by faith, decided, chose to not be named as a royal prince, but rather as a slave, as amongst the lowest of the low. Hey, pursuing God will sometimes mean that you don't get your perfect home or your perfect job or your perfect holiday might mean a lot worse than not getting those things. But if you obey him, if you follow him in faith, he will give you the security, the joy even. These guys joyfully, it says, joyfully accepted the plundering of their property. <laughs> what a way to just joyfully accepted the plundering of their property. Everything is lost to me. Hallelujah. <laughs> what? How does that happen? I tell you, faith comes. And people see the living God. And they meet with him. And that brings us to my point. I'm ahead of myself. Motivation. What is the motivation for this faith? What is able to produce faith like that? You can't sum it up. I promise you. You cannot produce in yourself by going, right, I'm going to be really brave today. You can't do it. You can't do it. You, in your own strength, will fail every time. You will flee the executioner's acts and the mockery of your friends. You will. You will. You will. Faith. Only seeing God and believing him will produce these things in you. Only seeing uh, God will enable you to do these things. So, two things that we see in this passage. Two things. Back up. Uh, the, sorry, the, the Hebrews 11 passage. Um, Two things that we see there uh, that, that come out in the, uh, in the writer's explanation of this. What motivates faith like this? Well, firstly, it is seeing God, as I say. By faith he left Egypt, this is verse 27, not being afraid of the anger of the king. Here's the king of earth with the most powerful man on the earth, with his armies and his threats bearing down against you. You're not afraid of him. Why? Not being afraid of the anger of the king, uh, 
for he endured seeing him who is invisible. Seeing him who is invisible. What does that mean? Invisible means you can't see him. No, he, he, in the eyes of faith, Moses saw God. Saw him. Saw him for, for who he is. Saw him in his glory and his kingship and his power and his character that says, I am for you and I am with you. And secondly, we see he was motivated by the reward that lies ahead. Verse 26, he considered the reproach of Christ greater than the wealth and treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to the reward. Two things, seeing God and the reward that he has for us. Those are the things that will motivate this faith. So we see God for who he is. That wonderful passage, if God is for us, who can be against us? What can man do? What, what are you going to do, Pharaoh? What are you going to do if God is for me? God, who is king over all, who reigns over all things. We've had this wonderful series last that we're looking at the, the person, the character of God, and seeing, hey, he who called out uh, into being the stars and all things is for you. Which of these grasshoppers will stand up against you now? Which of them? And his promises. We see who he is. Moses sees who God is and he sees his promises. And Joshua, the, kind of the, the wonderful example of this, is Joshua kind of comes um, as Moses dies. The first line is kind of, in Joshua is, Moses, my servant, is dead. Uh, now take up uh, all the promises that I've given to Moses. I've given and give now to you. Don't be afraid. Why, don't, why not? Why shouldn't I be afraid? Says Joshua. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. I'm going to give you the land. Joshua knows in that moment the promise of God is for him. And so seeing God, seeing his promises and his nearness. Now this is something that the Bible argues a number of times. One of the reasons not to be afraid is God is near. That wonderful passage at the end of Philippians. um, Do not be anxious about anything. You know, it actually starts, the sentence starts at, at half a verse back in um, so verse, chapter 4, verse 5. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. He is right near. The Lord is at hand. Therefore, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God. The peace. The peace of God that in the middle of the storm, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. That's not um, outside of understanding. It's not beyond comprehension. No, he, Paul is reasoning with these people. He's saying, it's, it, it, as far as your understanding can go, it will take you there and further. Beyond understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's the promise. He will be there guarding you in the middle of the storm. Jesus, as he, as he gives that wonderful... Uh, commission to his disciples that we, that we are acting on as we plant this church. Go to the ends of the earth, make disciples of all nations. Fear not. Why? Why shouldn't I be afraid? That is a scary thing. Some of us are going to die. Some of us are going to be crucified. Some of us are going to be burned, fed to lions. Why should I not be afraid? Jesus says, I'll be with you. I will be with you until the very end of the age. I will be with you. And that's not just a kind of like, I'm there with you, cheering you on. He is there. Where the fighting is fiercest, Jesus is there. Jesus is there. I promise you. I promise you. I promise you. When things are at their worst, he'll show up in power. 
He will show up in power, even if it's to accompany you to your cross. He will be there. He will be there. God says of himself, I am the God who is near. I am the God who is near. That is something to hold on to in those times. And then secondly, as I say, the other motivation is looking to the reward. That reward, as we can see in that, that earlier passage of Hebrews 10, you know, they, they remember the reward. They're willing to suffer joyfully the plundering of their property. Why? Because they know that there is something better ahead. Hey, it's something that endures more. There's something that, that is going to uh, abound more. They look at the temporary nature of these things, these, these believers. They look at the temporary nature of sin. Here in Hebrews 11, we're told, you know, Moses, he looked at the fleeting pleasures of sin and he counted them as loss, wanted the, 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 the enduring pleasures of Christ. He said, sin is passing. Suffering is passing. Now, these light and momentary afflict, this light and momentary affliction, says Paul, talking to a persecuted church. These guys are wheeled off and killed. Light and momentary, says Paul. Light and momentary is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. It's not worth comparing what you could get on earth versus what we have ahead of us. Not worth comparing. Worldly riches. Jesus says to his disciples, don't store up. Don't, don't waste your time storing up treasures in heaven where thief, thief can come and rust and moth. Don't waste your time with that drivel. Store up treasures in heaven where those things won't touch it and where I will multiply the fruitfulness. Wonderful thing is that Jesus teaches us in these parables and these teachings that we get to spend our temporary, passing, rotting wealth to gain something more of heaven and heaven's wealth. James talks about the richness of this world as flowers in the field. Like, you know, daisies that spring up one day. Wow, this is beautiful. Where was it yesterday? It wasn't here. Come back tomorrow. Where is it? Where's it gone? Well, it just comes and it goes. So earthly wealth is like that. Comes, goes. Where was it? Where is it? Search for it. You can't find it. It's not here anymore. What endures? The wealth of the kingdom. The riches of the inheritance that we've been called to. Those are the things that we're called to give ourselves to. And so these guys, in Hebrews 10, they say, look, they're willing to, to go and to, to be thrown into prison and to serve those who have been thrown into prison. Why? Since you, and joyfully accept the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession, a better one, and a lasting one. One that would, is infinitely better and infinite in, in how long you're going to have it for. It's not going to fade away. And he says, don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw away the confidence that you had then. Hold on to that confidence because with it comes great reward. Friends, are we willing to let our, our properties be plundered? Are we willing to lose everything for the sake of the gospel? Because I, I, that's what I want to be. That's what kind of church I want us to be. People who are willing to lay down everything. Even that, even, I, was, I was kind of saying that for retirement, that. I want to be the sort of person who does that. Right? Who obeys God, willing to lose all things for the sake of the kingdom. Finally, 
the, this fearless faith that we are modelled here by Moses and shown by um, the writer to the Hebrews, this fearless faith, he says, we can have seen in scripture, uh, testifies to the world the truth of who we are and what we have waiting for us. It shows the world in the face of persecution, in the face of death and mockery. Hang on, this guy lost everything and is rejoicing. How? 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 Paul says this to the Philippians. Philippians 1, 27. Only let your life, your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind that is striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Unity together, not just individuals, but together as a church that you would be striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, not frightened in anything by your opponents. Not frightened by your opponents. These aren't just political opponents. These aren't people who are just blogging against them. These are people who are wheeling them off. To prison, the beatings, soon to be killings. This, Paul says, is a clear sign to them of their destruction. Your fearlessness in the face of this proves to them that they are going to face judgment and, he says, of your salvation and that from God. As you face fearlessly these things that are frightening, you prove who you are. Again and again, this is, this is a characteristic that is put forward to, to us as, as the people of God. We are, we are called to demonstrate who we are by demonstrating this fearless sort of faith. Faith that is willing to endure loss. As I say, this is true of all believers. This is to be true of all believers, but there are a couple of times in Scripture where this, where where it zooms in particularly on women. This is a characteristic of the woman of faith to be fearless. This is it makes an emphasis. As I say, it's true of everybody. It's meant to be true of all Christians, but but the Bible makes a clear point of this is the mark of the woman of faith. One Peter says, you know, they do good and are not afraid of anything that is frightening. This is, this is the mark of a, a woman of faith. And, and then in, in Proverbs 31, um, that, that wonderful list of, uh, of, of a woman of faith, again, kind of amongst those many great things, wonderful, some of them very practical, many of them very uh, spiritual, in amongst that list is this, she laughs at the days to come. Not worried about the future. She's not scared of the future. She laughs, ha, 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 at the days to come. Now, I don't know about you, I think I'm speaking to it as, as a guy here, but I remember at school, giggling girls, there was something incredibly disconcerting about giggling girls, right? I'm just thinking, is there something on my face? Is there, like, I, I, I get the feeling as I read that passage, Satan gets that feeling when he sees the women of faith, these great women of faith that we have amongst us, looking at the future with all the things that are terrifying, that loom against them, and they know, secure in what God has called them to, in the shelter of him, knowing him as father, as guardian, as one who has good planned for them, as one who is going to be with them in the midst of that storm. They look at that future and they laugh to themselves. Knowing God's going to be with me. God is going to be with me. Confident and secure that God will hold all things as promised and give her all things 
that she's been promised. And so he can be trusted. As I say, this is something that all of us should take on. But it's particularly held up as this is the mark of a woman of faith. Even in the face of frightening things. Now, I want us here, as I've said, at Freedom Church to be people who are able to make decisions like Moses made. To be not afraid of, of making those decisions of saying, right, I'm going to be counting amongst the people of God. In this moment, in this conversation, I, I can see this, where this conversation is going. I don't really want to be counted there then. No, in that moment, I want us to be people who are willing to stand out for Jesus. Stand out for the life that we've been called to. To make radical decisions. Make decisions that the world can't understand. That look insecure. That look, like, how, why is he, doesn't he know? Doesn't she know as she puts her foot on that that it's going to give way? No, because we know who holds us. We know who holds us. It would point to our, the world can't understand it, but would point to our eternal security. I want us to be a church that doesn't shy away from doing the will of God. That doesn't shy away from doing good. Even when the rest of the world might call those things evil. I think you know the sort of thing that I'm talking about. We don't want to shy away from doing good just because everybody else thinks it's evil. And even if it brings all sorts of things down on our head, we want to be faithful to the word and the calling of God. And I want us to be so secure, so secure, that he has called us, and he who has called will also uphold us, be with us, strengthen us, when everything else seems against us, God alone is enough. I want us to be secure because we've seen him and because we know his completed work for us on the cross. We're going to come back into a time of worship now, but, but even as we do, I wonder if you'd stand with me. Again, some of those things in that list of, of Hebrews 11, it's very clear that we can't conjure up for ourselves. Right? We very clearly can't part seas. But when it comes to something like this, sometimes we can be tempted to think, but I've got to produce this kind of fearlessness from within myself. And it's really important that we don't try to do that. Because actually, to try to do that not only dishonors God, but it also would deny denies you the faith that provides it actually we're not to hear of this this kind of faith that that takes hold of things and think i've got to somehow work work that out no this is a this is a gift of god and it comes from god having revealed himself to you i promise you in the moment that you need him he will provide it he will so lord i just pray right now as we here stand before you God, would you reveal yourself to us again? God, would you reveal yourself to us again? Reveal yourself as the God who is at hand, Philippians 4, 5. The God who is near, Deuteronomy. The God who, who uh, is, is our shepherd and our, 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 our father, our guardian, our shield, our protector, our rock, our refuge. Our fortress, our deliverer. But I don't know all of the things that we face in this room. I don't. There are some scary things in front of us. I know. As a church, as individuals, there are some terrifying things. 
Lord, I pray that we would all be marked by that faith as we see you, that we'd be marked by that faith that looks at those things and can laugh, knowing that we are so held, so held by the one who made and upholds it all. God, I pray right now for, for, for faith like that to be dropped into our hearts, faith like that to be awoken within us as we come to the scriptures, as we worship you. Lord, I pray right now for the situations in this room, situations that are scary. Lord, would you come now and rush to the aid of these people? Rush to their aid with, a, with a, an eye to see and faith to take hold in, without fear the promises that you have, even if it should cost everything else. Lord, we ask this in your name. Amen.